Hey, what's up? Welcome back to uh, Sunday evening worship. So we're still uh, we're still doing this, still uh, still happening, and so uh, just want to say uh, a special thanks if you're joining us tonight um, at five thirty. I'm sure some of you guys will be watching this later on, but uh, if you're if you're live with us right now, um, thanks so much uh, for being here. I, I did want to say something. Haley mentioned it um, during the announcements, but we are doing uh, what we're calling a virtual prayer room um, every Wednesday morning. And so um, for our church, building a culture of prayer is a really important thing. There, there's not a lot of things that we um, can do that, um, that really, uh, that, that, like we can't control whether our neighbor or our friend comes to know Christ. I mean, there's just a lot of things out of our, our control. But what we can do always, not even during a time of crisis, but what we can always do is pray as God's people. And so it's such a cool thing this past Wednesday to, to wake up. 7 a.m. Listen, if 7 a.m. just one morning we're asking you listen if you're not a morning person just one morning get a cup of coffee tea whatever your thing is and uh and and about 7 7 30 7 45 such a cool thing to be able to see people around the computer um praying together uh, you don't if, if you're not comfortable with praying you can just you can just get on you don't have to pray uh, you don't even have to cut the video on you can literally lay in bed like you're never going to have an opportunity like this you can lay in bed uh, and just listen and not not even, you know, you don't have to pray at all or cut the video on. Like, we don't have to, to see you in your jammies, right? And so it, please make space for that. Um, that's going to be that link, as Haley said, online available for you there. And so we'd love to have you there, whether you're a part of our church, Grace City, um, or um, you're, you're somewhere else. I think one of the cool things about what we found about right now um, in this kind of strategic time is, is people from all over the place are kind of joining together. In various ways, and uh, and so we can do that. Um, okay, well, let's dive in. So uh, we're in a series called "From Here to There." So basically, how do we how do we move from um, uh, from here to there? How do we how do we move from what we talked about last week was having a, a posture of fear um, into a posture of faith? And so we're walking through this this um, time that's very it's full of anxiety um, and confusion for people. And so we looked at last week, how do we as God's people, um, looking at Psalm 88, which is one of the darkest Psalms in all of the Bible, but how do we look at that and, and really be able to say, man, we're going to not be people just full of fear, um, but we're going to be people walking in faith. Um, w- one of the things that I really want to um, see happen um, over the journey that we're in this from here to there series, and to be quite honest, we, we, don't, we don't really know how long we're going to be doing this particular series. We just feel... Um, called and compelled by God to be doing it right now. And so uh, for as long as we're in this, it, it's, it's all about developing a posture that's going to allow us to get from kind of our base feelings um, where we kind of just land naturally to a place that we would say is more honoring and faithful um, to the way of Jesus. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is how do we move from preference um, to protection? Uh, how do we move from our kind of personal preference and what, what we want to how do we move to protection, essentially protection and love of neighbor? And so I, I you know, there's two, there's two things that have happened in my life that have drastically changed uh, my posture, how I operate, how I think um, everywhere. It's my marriage and having kids. And, and so as a single guy, here's what you do as a single guy. You're, you're almost willing to do anything. Like as, when I was a single dude, it was like, yeah, go on a trip. Absolutely. Don't have the money for it. 
right? Don't really have the time, but I'm down. I'll, I'll go. Uh, um, like do do something potentially stupid? Yeah, all the time, right? You that like you you just do it because you're thinking I, I've got myself. I'll go to a dangerous area. Like I don't. When you're single, you're just like some of you know. You're just like yeah, I'll do it. Absolutely, I will. I'll take off uh, and and do whatever. Something begins to change when you get married, and then even more so when you get kids, right? So when when I, when I, we were married, when Kay and I got married. Uh, there was still a part of that, right? So uh, when when I got married, I went skydiving like first year into our our marriage, right? I'm terrified of heights. Don't know what I was thinking, but but I did that, right? I'm not doing that now. Not with kids, no way, right? I've had that experience. It's great. Uh, I uh, one of the things I had a, a motorcycle. Nothing. I love motorcycles. Had one when I was married at a younger age. I, I don't know that I would have one now that I have kids. Like, I, I'm probably not going to go skydiving now that I have kids. Now, I know people still do that, but, like, I'm just telling you from my own kind of, um, uh, my own, like, how I think about things has drastically changed from, from it used to just be rooted in kind of my my personal preference, right? And now I'm, I'm kind of swapped to more of a uh, protection mode. It's really, it's, it's really affecting me. Like, um, for instance, now when I'm out and about, I'm, I'm hyper aware of my surroundings. Uh, e- even this past week, uh, we were coming back from the playground, and uh, and I was in front of Katie and the kids, and then Katie was in the back uh, with them. And and so, you know, as a single person, you, you're just kind of walking and, and hanging out, and, like, you're going to pay attention. But when you have kids, you're on super high alert, for when you're walking across something, right? You're, you're at that point. You're thinking protection, 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 and and so even this past week, there was a car that l- literally almost ran over our daughter uh, from swerving around. But but Katie's there. Katie is she's she's not thinking about just herself in that moment. She's transitioned to a new stage, and now she's thinking about protection. I think um, I think that's where we are now as people following the way of Jesus. We could easily sit into um, this idea of personal preference. Uh, I, don't, I don't think any of us, even if you're an introvert, um, I don't think any of us just love being inside all the time uh, away from people. You know, I, what, there, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's like, no, I actually do. I'm actually loving this right now. But, but for the most part, a lot of us, it, it would be nice to, to, to be able to get out and to go do that. Like, I haven't been on a date with my wife in, in two weeks, right? I mean, there, there's just a lot of things that, that we just, it's, it's hard to, to not be able to enjoy right now. And so our own kind of personal preference, honestly, is to not be told to, to not do this and to, to, to do this. I mean, the things that we're having to do right now, like not go out, not gather in crowds, um, don't don't be on play dates. Um, wash your hands everywhere that you go. Have hand sanitizer everywhere that you go. Right? These these are all things that are like, oh, man, do I, do I really have to do this? And I, I think this is a I think this is a strategic moment that God's calling us into to to love and care for our neighbor. And so let's move into Philippians chapter two. Um, I, I want us to think about because essentially here's what we're saying tonight: um, a changed a changed circumstance, which is where where we are. Uh, ultimately, a changed circumstance will result in a changed posture. We've got to, as God's people, change our posture right now because our circumstances have changed. We've got to think. Now, we're always called to think and love neighbor. 
Well, we've got to do even more now. Let's go to Philippians chapter two. Let me dive into this and let's read the text for a bit. And, um, and then we'll talk. So this is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. Um, this is what he says, uh, chapter two, verse one. He says, if, there is, uh, if then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation in love, any fellowship with the spirit, any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by doing what? By thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, right? So what he's saying here is he's saying, go all the way in living the way of Jesus. Uh, Verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but there's a conjunction, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone, so here's how he comes to a turn on this uh, in verse four. Everyone should look out not only for his own interest, uh, but also for the interest of others. Now, Paul does something really interesting here. So if you're if you've got your Bible pulled up or you have it up there on the online um, on the app there online, um, he he begins using if in a different way than we typically tend to think about if. So um, we use if as like a, as the condition upon which whatever follows, right? So if there's good weather and and rain and sunshine, right, and and there's not a frost, like the trees will bear fruit. That, that's kind of how we use if, but he, he's actually turning it a, a, around and he's first naming the harvest and then he names the conditions that will produce the harvest. So, so he's saying um, encouragement in Christ, love, fellowship with the Spirit, affection, mercy, right? So he's, he's, he's giving us the um, the harvest, what should be produced inside of us, and then he's going he's gonna to give us the conditions in which, and it's what we're going to look at towards the end, he's going to give us the conditions in which that has the ability to do it. Eugene Peterson, um, he, he paraphrases the Bible in something called The Message, and uh, Eugene Peterson is like a, a mentor from afar uh, for, for me. He, he died this past year, and um, just an incredible uh, theologian, longtime pastor, Listen how he paraphrases Philippians 2, um, 1 through 4, because I think he hits it right on uh, what we're trying to think about as we're thinking about moving from, um, protect, uh, from preference to protection. He says this, If you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if His love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. I, I love how he paraphrases this. Because this hits it. This is where we're going. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. I mean, that is... That is Philippians 2. That is the way of Jesus, to forget yourselves long enough uh, to lend a helping hand. And he says all of these things are rooted in our salvation with Christ. We see in Philippians 1.28, right? Because he's saying, how, how can you be in, encouraged and receive love? He says, but for your salvation, and this is from God. So see, he sets that up in 1.28 and then moves into 2. And says, your salvation from God should result in unity, love, and care uh, for, for other people. Now, um, 
this is a this is a hard thing. Um, this is a hard thing to do. I mean, ultimately, what 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 Paul is saying is that our unity is really the fruit of our salvation. He's saying that if you follow the way of Jesus, the way that that will know you follow the way of Jesus will be the unity that you that you pursue and that you go after. And I think thinking about right now, um, I think we have an unparalleled opportunity as the church to be unified on the front uh, of loving, protecting, and caring for neighbor. Like th- I think this is the one of the man one of the first times I can think of where we're not having um, we're not having arguments uh, about things that don't really matter. We're all we're all kind of stepping in the same step in the in the same way and saying okay. How do, we, how do we care and love for people well? How do we protect our, our neighbors? He's, he's essentially calling for harmony of relationship, for mutual concern, for love for one another, uh, for uh, caring for the, the quality of fellowship with, with others, right? He, he's saying, man, we, we should, this is what we should look like. This is what we should be doing. Now, this isn't easy. He's going to identify, look what he does here, because what, what's, what's essentially going to get in the way of living the way of Jesus? Right? That's the language we, we talk about, living the way of Jesus. We wanna, so our mission as a church is proclaiming the way of Jesus for the good of the city. I mean, this, this moment that we're in right now, um, I, I can't think of a, of a better way to proclaim the way of Jesus um, for the good of the city. The, the, one of the best ways we can do that is how we interact and love and care for neighbor. But what's going to get in the way of that? Well, look what he, he's, he gives us two things here. Um, if, you, if you kick back... Um, into that. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, do nothing, and he identifies two things, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. Now, what is selfish ambition? If you kind of get to the root of that word, it's basically a feeling of resentfulness based on jealousy. So he says, you you can't have a a resentfulness towards others based on jealousy. What is conceit? Um, It's, I I love the, the kind of the root underneath this um, here, it's a pride without basis. So it's like, what are you, it's a conceit is a pride without basis. Like, what are you even prideful for? Like, uh, Paul just said, your salvation comes from God. So why would you be prideful? Like, why would you not walk in um, humility and care for one another? And so we have these two unhealthy enemies of selfish ambition and conceit, which to be honest, like both of us, like all of us, um, all of us in, in certain ways struggle with these two things. I mean, selfish ambition and conceit will destroy any type of unity, any type of front that we try and put together as God's people. It'll just absolutely do it. There's a, a great story um, in Scripture. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. Um, so James and John's uh, mom uh, come to Jesus in this story. This is in Matthew 20. You don't have to try this, but it's Matthew 20, 28. And uh, basically, into, listen, anytime your mom goes to your boss, this is not going to go well. Like, this is not a situation that's going to go well. But I, this story makes me feel better. So um, uh, Matthew says this, Matthew 20, 20 through 28, says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons approached him with her sons, and she knelt down to ask him for something. He said, What do you want? She said, What, what is it that you want? Um, she said, Promise, she said to him. It's like, what? <laughs> promise, okay. Uh, promise, she said to him, that these two sons of mine, now listen to this, that these two sons of mine may sit, one at your right and the other on your left, in the kingdom. What did this, 
just like a mom, right? Like she wants the best for her sons. It, so what did she just say? She just essentially said, I mean, think about this. They're loving and caring for their community. Jesus is healing people. He's feeding uh, all kinds of people. And, and their mom, James and John's mom, is coming to uh, Jesus and saying, oh, this, all this stuff is great. But by the way, could my son sit at your left and at your right? Now, look, look what Jesus says in verse 22. He says, Jesus answered, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And then they said, we are able, they said to him. Uh, verse 23, he told them, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right and left is not mine to give. Instead, it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my Father. Verse 30, uh, verse 24, here it is. Uh, when the ten disciples heard this, they became indignant with the two brothers, right? Because they wanted, like, they, they probably would rather, uh, they, I don't know that, I don't know how much they were indignant with the request as much as they, they probably were more indignant with, oh man, uh, we should have, they went behind our back into this. We, I wish I could have got in there. Verse 25, Jesus called them over and said, here it is. Here it is. Jesus called them over and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those in high positions act as tyrants over them. So he's saying, you see this, this is what other people are doing. Verse 26, this is the key for us tonight. It must not be like that among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Mark 10 uh, 43 and 44 says this, but it is not so among you in the same story, but it is not so among you. On the contrary, whoever wants to become great among you will be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you will be slave to all. So what is the posture that we have to, to, to go after in this current, this current culture? What is the posture? It's a posture of servanthood. It's a posture of love and care for neighbor. It's a posture of dying to our own personal preference. Now, I, I feel like I need to say this. The majority of our church is, um, is young. It, it, a, lot, a lot of us are, are young and healthy. And for the most part, what we're hearing and what we're understanding is that um, COVID-19 is something that, that greatly affects those who are older or have, um, have respiratory problems and, and, and things like that. So there can be a tendency um, inside of our church to write this off. Um, and to not want to love and care for neighbor. I, I think that's very much a, a potential. We don't, we don't know how long this thing's going to go. Uh, we're, we're just really unsure of that. And I think the longer that it goes, I was thinking about that this, this week, that man, the longer that this goes, um, the harder it's going to be for us to fight personal preference. Uh, you know, when, the thing, when this kind of first started, we were all like, Oh, you know, if, uh, you know, for us, it's like, that's kind of like a blizzard and we can't get out, you know? So you got like two weeks of catching up on your Netflix and your documentaries and, and all that kind of stuff. But man, two weeks in, it's just starting to get hard. Uh, four weeks in, a month in, two months in. I mean, it's going to get harder and harder for us to fight personal preference. And I just feel like I need to say both to myself and, and to you, we've got to continue to fight personal preference. Have to continue to fight it. Okay, let's let's move on and, and kick on. So, um, so he says, fight selfish ambition and conceit. And he says, put these two uh, behaviors forward. Uh, what are the two behaviors that he has um, here at the end 
uh, here at the end of the text, he, um, he, he says this uh, um, in verse 4. Everyone should look after or look out. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. So he says, put off these two enemies of selfish ambition and conceit and put on um, these two things. Look not only for his own interest. Now, the interesting thing there is interest is actually not in the Greek there. It's kind of just a fill-in. So you can really fill that in with what, whatever, whatever you want to fill that in with in terms of whatever it is. So it's like, look not only uh, for your own blank, right? So interest, preference, you know, whatever it is that you value. And also, so if you're putting that, that off, you're looking out for um, you're looking out for the interests of others. Now, one of the things that we battle with, I think, a lot, um, that really within the last 10 to 15 years, I think, has risen to the surface that we see in our culture is really the aggressive pursuit of self-expression. Now, I'm not talking about self-expression um, in, in an unhealthy way where, where someone needs to you know, stand up for themselves. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the aggressive pursuit of self-expression that, that many times is to the detriment of anyone else that gets in their way. Right? I mean, we can have this kind of... Um, posture, or, or I think our culture kind of puts forward this posture of take care of number one, right? Do whatever you need to. Yeah, yes, you should take care of people, right? You, you should care for others. But man, look out for number one. Make sure that you're, you're good to go, right? And, and then you can do that. And that may mean maybe at your work, where you work at, um, you know that if you don't do certain things, if you don't say certain things about other people or, or make yourself look better than, than you really are to the detriment of someone else, that it could cost you being moved up and promoted. That's a very real reality for some of you um, at your work. And, and I just want to say, man, Paul is, is, is pleading with us and saying to us, no, no, don't look out for your own interests, but also look out for the interests of others. Love and Love and care. For others, I mean, Philippi, the city that he's writing to, was like a mini Rome. If, if what we know about Rome was, it was wealthy, um, and and it was self-indulgent, and it was look after herself. I mean, the majority of the population in Philippi were 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 servants. There were people essentially below the poverty line, and and so Paul's writing to this church and saying, no, no love and care for people, pursue unity uh, with people. Um, God is is asking us in this moment, this is why I think it's so true, God is asking us to continue to move from preference to protection. Uh, February, uh, October 18th, 1918, uh, this was a clip from the Daily Telegram in Western Mass. Uh, it says this, I, I love this picture of caring. So this is when the, the influenza was going on in 1918. It says, the Daily Telegram shared examples of how Christians were responding to influ- uh, influenza even as public worship ceased, right? We looked at that last week. Women from three local churches were taking care of ep- uh, epidemic orphans, uh, giving them not only food and clothing, but supplying them with plenty of healthy recreation and a little systematized instruction too. And a Catholic women's club uh, brought clothing and food to influenza patients, uh, I, I love this, including 28 jars of applesauce, 28 quarts of lamb stew, in 35 squares of Johnny Cake. I don't know what that is, uh, but it sounds like it's good. Uh, I, I, I love that. I, I love that in the record books, it's God's people in, a, in the influenza. I mean, killing people. The influenza took more people than World War I and World War II put together. And you have the church on the front line caring for neighbor, fighting preference, 
in working towards protection. So how do we do this? A couple of thoughts here on, on how, do we, how, do we, how do we love and care for our neighbors, essentially protect our neighbors as well in this moment. Uh, I think, because um, we're, you know, it's kind of a weird time to be able to do that. Uh, a couple of things here. I think you can write a note and just leave it on the door of your neighbor. Just like, hey, I'm so-and-so in uh, apartment 10, uh, apartment 2. Uh, just, just if you need anything, um, here, here's my cell phone number. If there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. Here's my cell phone number. Uh, especially if you, if in your building there's elderly people, what a great opportunity. Man, go get their groceries. Like, find out how you can serve them and, and love them uh, and let them know um, how, how you can do that. I think this is a moment where we're praying for people. I mean, this is what we're pushing forward right now. So we're praying for the economic loss that, that businesses are experiencing, that people that can't work right now, we're, we're doing that. I think use the space that you have right now to call a lost friend, right? You, maybe you just want to chill out uh, on the couch and... And dude, I'm eating all day long. Like that's what I'm doing. I don't know if that's what you're doing, but I'm eating all day long. So stop eating, right? Let's agree to stop eating together and, and, and use that moment to call a lost friend, to, to have a, a conversation with them, uh, to check back in with them. I think lean into, one of, the, one of the things I've been thinking about this week is like, we have to get good at having real conversations with each other now. There's no small talk. We're not crossing each other in the hallway. We're not in the lobby with, with one another. If you're talking to someone, it's on purpose for the most part. You're calling them, you're texting them, you're videoing them. And so let's have intentional conversations. Let's like actually call one another. I mean, that's weird. Let's call one another, not to ask for anything, but just to check on people, just to see how people's doing. Just how, how's it going, man? Just to, just to do it. I think, um, I, don't, I don't know. All right, what compels us to do this? Here's what Paul is inviting the church at Philippi to enter into the way of Jesus. Philippians 2, 5 and 8. Listen, here, here's how the end is. It's just saying mimic Jesus here. Adopt, here it is. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Most clear and concise. So this is Paul's most clear and concise Christological statement that he'll ever make. Now look at it. He says, um, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. So Paul's most loaded statement about Jesus is saturated with what? With just servanthood. With this, I mean, it says that, um, that he didn't consider equality with God something to be exploited. Exploited there, that word means something is held onto force uh, in, a, in a way of force. That they, they refuse to let go. But instead, it says what? It says that he emptied, that he, he completely, that he removed himself from a high status and rank that was his. Just did it. He, he, he didn't consider equality something to be exploited and held onto, but he emptied himself. So think about that. Empty, servant, humbled, obedient, right? Humility, weakness. I mean, these are the things that we're seeing. These are the words that are talking about Jesus. He says in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty he might become rich, right? He was rich, but for our sake became poor. Uh, listen to what Thomas Langford says. This is an incredible quote. He says this, in Jesus, we find embodied the self-giving of God to persons and the self-giving of a person to other persons. Jesus is the Lord who is servant, and Jesus is the servant who is Lord. 
As the Lord who is servant, Jesus identifies with human life so as to establish what? A redemptive relationship. As servant who is Lord, Jesus calls us to acknowledge his lordship through our servanthood. Did you hear that? It says, Jesus calls us to acknowledge his lordship through our servanthood. The grace of God in Jesus Christ calls us to a graciousness which is a self-abandonment to the love of God and to the love of neighbor. An amazing quote there. Uh, I, I love what he's saying about that, that Jesus identified with human life to establish a redemptive relationship, um, that, that as a servant who is the Lord, that Jesus called, here it is, I mean, Jesus calls us to acknowledge his lordship through how? How do we acknowledge the lordship of Jesus? How do we say to Jesus, I'm with you, I'm a part of you? It's through our servanthood. See, Jesus, this is what Paul's saying, Jesus perfectly embodied what it means to love and to serve others. And now he's doing what? He's inviting us. He's inviting us into living his way. Uh, Katie and I, like two weeks ago, it was the last date that we went on. Uh, do you remember those when we could go out? Um, we were at a restaurant that we love, a little tapa, tapas restaurant. Um, really, it's just great. Uh, and so we're there. And, uh, and, and have you ever been in a restaurant where, where you're there and you have two servers, right? And, and so that's what was happening that night. And so one, uh, the, the initial one came up and kind of introduced herself. And she said, hey, um, th this one's in training. And uh, so she's going to be she's going to be helping us as well. And so all night um, during our date, we would either have the main one would come up, um, or the second one would come up, or they would come up together. Uh, sometimes the second one, if it had a question, um, would bring in the first one. Why do they like? Why do they do that? Why don't they just throw the second one, the new one, just straight into service um, at the restaurant and just let them go for it, right? Well, the reason that they do that is because they essentially know that you. You pick up things much better, not by just reading, uh, not just like by reading about them or by being told to do something, but you you pick up something by by being in close proximity to, by mimicking a person that that you're you're watching. And so what what's happening in that moment at, at the table with us having a date is that second one is just mimicking the introduction, right, and the the randomly checking on us. I mean, th this is in a lot of ways what Jesus is calling us into. Some people would call it an apprenticeship to Jesus. Like that, that what we're doing is we're just doing what we saw our master do. And what did we see our master do? Well, he humbled himself. He, he didn't consider equality with God something to be exploited or something to be grasped, but he took on the form of, of a human, right? This is, what, this is what he perfectly embodied to us, right? And so why can we, just in closing, ultimately, why can we trust the way of Jesus? Like, why can we trust to fight against preference and to protect and love neighbor? Like, why, why can we trust that? Not just because it's what the government says, and, and all, even though all that's valuable and medical people, all that's valuable, why can we ultimately trust it? Listen to how Paul finishes out Philippians 2 here. Philippians 2, 9 and 11. Um, this is the weight of it. It says, for this reason... What is for this reason, right, that, that Jesus would empty himself, that he would consider equality with God not something to be grasped. It says, For this reason God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, 
and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, now here's, here's what it looks like. Uh, essentially, Jesus' superiority, right? Now, we know from John 1, Jesus was there in the beginning, right? So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. I mean, that word logos there, he's talking about Jesus. He's in the beginning. Uh, and, and so he had, Jesus had superiority, right? Um, but, but what we see happen was basically his superiority in, in all of this process was essentially hidden by what? By his servanthood. His superiority was hidden by his posture of servanthood. It's almost as if, um, because we could read that and think that, that God, um, you know, rewarded Jesus and made him divine because he was a servant. That's not, not, not what Paul is saying there. Basically what he's saying is that, that, that through this, through the death, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, right? Because the cross was what? The cross was the ultimate form of, of service and love towards others. The cross absolutely was. And what, basically what he's saying is that at the conclusion of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, that God pulled the covers back and revealed who Jesus was. That, that we, we see that he's given a name that's above every name, right? That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He, the Father just uncovered that, and, and, and we see it. So why can we ultimately deny self, right? Why can we do that as God's people? Because we've been brought into relationship with God through His Son. So our identity, right? Our worth, like all of those things are, are settled. We don't have to fight for that, those things. We don't have to fight for our identity. We don't have to fight for um, satisfaction. I mean, all of those things we get when we get into a relationship with Jesus. And so some of you are struggling with fighting per personal preference. And it, it may be um, it, it may be because you don't know Jesus. I mean, maybe you're listening tonight, you're not a believer, uh, but you're tuning in. I'm so glad that you, you're, you're listening and you're there. Man, maybe, maybe you need to accept Christ tonight. Maybe you need to step into, I mean, Paul says here, man, every knee will bow. Man, he, Jesus is good. And so maybe, maybe tonight, maybe right now at your couch, wherever you are, you need to come to know Christ. You need to confess Him as Savior and Lord. You need to admit that you're sin, uh, that you're sinful, that you're fallen, uh, you're in separation from God the Father. You need to believe that Jesus was who that He said that He was, and that He did what He said that He did, and you need to confess Christ as Lord. Man, if that's you, man, just message us. Like, uh, message us on this platform or, or go to GraceCityBoston.com and, and message us there and, and let us know, man. We'd love to, to be able to pray with you through that. Maybe you're a follower of Christ already and, and you're just struggling with, with personal preference and, and you're, not wanting to, you're not wanting to follow the regulations and the things that have been laid out for us. Can I just, can I just put forward to you? Uh, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just like you want to be lazy all day long um, and, and, and do this time. Man, can I just, just say to you, um, put, put on the imagery of Jesus. Like walk in the way of Jesus. If any person had the right um, to not serve others uh, and not to lay his life down, it was Jesus. He was perfect, but he did. And now he's done what? He's invited us into that 
we have an opportunity, the church has an opportunity to do what it was meant to do in these days. And that's what? It's to love God and to love neighbor. Hey, thanks so much for being here tonight. I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we'll, we'll, we're going to come up. Hey, he's going to come up and close us out for tonight. Uh, again, thanks so much. God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you that you invite us into servanthood. God, that you invite us into loving um, you and loving neighbor well. And so would you continue to help us do that, God? Continue to help us to um, fight personal preference and work towards protection and love of neighbor. God, give us creative ways to do that. It can be hard right now because there's not a lot of interaction with people. So just help us as we reach out through video or phone calls or through notes um, in, in just whatever way that we can do that, God, uh, that you would help us um, in doing that. God, I pray if there's someone tonight or today or more, whenever this is, they're, they're watching it, God, that they would come to know you, that they, see, they would see that you are good, God, and you're loving and you're just, and they would step into the, the open invitation that they have through Jesus um, and walk into that with you, God. We, we, we know that you hear us even in this moment, even separated in various places, God. You hear all of us collectively, God. And that's an incredible thought, and we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.